Hey there. In this episode, I'm going to walk you through my own course creation journey, specifically what did and didn't work for me, what I would have done differently if I could, and what set me up really well for a public course launch. But before we dive in, welcome to BSing with Brandy, where my mission is to help you get shit done. I'm your host, Brandy Good, and today I can say that I finally have developed what some might consider a signature course. So I just finished the pilot run of my course, Systematize Your Online Course. Yes, it's a course about courses. Uh, And I'm internally fist pumping because I honestly thought I would never get a bigger course done. So let me take you on a little journey. Picture it, the BLG offices, 2016. At the beginning of the year, I'd purchased both B-School from Marie Forleo and Courses That Convert from Amy Porterfield. I was dreaming big. I'd been wanting to do an online course for a while. And this was my moment that like my business and my revenue and everything was going to take off. I started to develop my first course as I was going through Courses That Convert. My topic was based on a group of workshops that I'd run successfully several times. And it was a topic that I was starting to get known for. So it all kind of, you know, it made sense. But I was still very deep in my perfectionistic tendencies. I was, especially being in courses run by Amy and Marie, I was having serious comparison-itis, and I let myself get overwhelmed by everything involved in creating the course, except, of course, the tech. Even back then, I already had those pieces in place, even though tech wasn't the focus of my business. So I was trying to do all the market research, perfect the branding, create all the course content, which had to be in all of the formats, because that's what Amy and Marie were doing, and I had to determine pricing and make sales targets. And it had to be a massive signature course with like 100 modules of 50 lessons each and tons of video content and workbooks, et cetera, et cetera. So as you might expect, I got burnt out within a couple of months and just gave up. Tossed the whole thing, the whole idea out the window. So what could I have done differently at this point? The easy answer is that I could have hired someone to do all the parts that I didn't really enjoy. So things like the market research, the branding and the design, the editing. But at that point, I had just dropped a whole bunch of money on training and I couldn't afford to outsource. So I was, I felt like I was a little bit stuck. The the better answer for what I could have done differently is something I will get to shortly since I did eventually figure it out. It just took a little bit. So what was the biggest lesson I walked away with from this whole kind of debacle? Well, I was trying to go big before I was ready to go big. Uh, I was biting off more than I could chew I was trying to replicate what other big names were doing because that's, I saw that as, oh, that's what you were supposed to deliver to people. 
instead of really listening to my gut and figuring out the best way for me to create a course. So fast forward six months, uh, I attempted to launch another big course, but this time I thought I was being really smart about it. I made two changes. So I decided instead of trying to create all the content ahead of time, I was going to create it each week as the course was being delivered live, because that would give me some extra accountability to have those lessons complete. Uh, the second thing I did was I asked some colleagues to beta test it for free. So there was no financial commitment for the students. It's basically they were auditing the course and they were going to keep me accountable. This didn't work. <laughs> and why is that? So there's a couple of reasons, but the big one was this. So this was my first real attempt at recording videos for people. I, I had done a bit in that first course that I tried to do, but, but mainly I had, I hadn't even gotten to the video recording stage before I got overwhelmed. So I'd done lots of in-person speaking and training and workshops. It never occurred to me how different and difficult it was to sit in front of a camera and try to present or talk or teach something versus doing it in person. I had no idea how different it would be. Um, and so we got, I say I, we were probably in like module three or four um, of that, that beta course before it all fell apart and I gave up again. So the feedback I was getting on the lesson videos uh, even though these were all people I knew and they were very kind, they were being as kind as possible, the feedback was not good. Um, and these were even people who had attended all of my in-person stuff. And so they knew that I could be a good teacher, I could be a good presenter, um, but these pre-recorded videos were not good. I sounded bored, I sounded wooden, I sounded unsure of what I was saying. Uh, there were sound issues, I was too quiet, all of these things. Um, I knew they were true. And so at, at that point, I was like, okay, if I, if I'm going to make this work, I have to go back. Maybe not at this moment, but I will have to go back and I'll have to redo all of the lessons that I had already done because my delivery was not good. And I found making videos so stressful and exhausting that the idea of having to go back and redo all those things, it was just too much. And so I was like, nope, uh, I can't do this. And, and luckily, like those beta students were, were very understanding and they totally, you know, they were grateful for whatever knowledge I had imparted up to that point. <laughs> but honestly, probably they were also relieved that they weren't have to gonna <laughs> listen to my horrible, horrible videos anymore. <laughs> so what was the big takeaway from this experience? Uh, a lot of, a lot of it was the same as the first one. I tried to do maybe too much too soon, but the one takeaway that I got from that was that creating the content as I went was not a good solution for me. It was 
too stressful to have those external deadlines and expectations from students. Now, this actually turned out not to be true, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So fast forward <laughs> again, uh, my next course idea. By this point, there's, there's a longer gap here. So by this point, I was, you know, fairly comfortable on video. I'd been doing like a lot of live streaming and stuff like that. So the video stuff wasn't really a problem anymore. So I, I sat down, I did a bunch of market research. So I thought I was like, yeah, I'm doing everything the right way because I did a ton of research, but <laughs> uh, the research didn't really go the way I wanted. People, the ideas I was bringing up, they were like, well, no, I'd rather learn about XYZ instead of what you're teaching. So instead of stopping and thinking, maybe this is not the right topic, I just dismissed it and said, oh, those just aren't the ideal students. Those aren't my my best people. And to some degree that's true, but I just forged ahead without making any adjustments based on my market research. I did an entire promotional period, including like a whole webinar that I developed. And the webinar itself went great, but at the end I barely got any sales. So even though I had hardly any students, I was like, no, I'm going to power through because I'll get a couple students. I'll get them through this thing. They'll enjoy it. I'll have some good testimonials and then launch number two will go better. But after a couple of weeks of creating my lessons, I lost all motivation again. And this was, this I think was the big, the big kick in the pants for me because I was like, okay, this is the third time I've like, I've quit on this. And this time there were paid people in there. Um, I did refund them and I took a big break from course creation for a while. So the big lesson here, now this wasn't something that I realized at the time. It's something that I only realized once I looked back on things, but I had lost all motivation for creating that content because I was kind of falling out of love with my industry and with what I was offering. So the lesson is kind of the cliched, like know yourself. I kind of let myself drift into a specific niche because it's what people told me was good. Um, it's what people told me the market was asking for. It was easy to do and logically it made sense. So I was basing what I was doing on market demand but I wasn't checking in with myself or listening to my gut to see if this was what I really wanted to be doing. Um, and so all of these failed attempts were kind of starting to be a symptom that something bigger was wrong. But of course, I didn't realize that at the time. So the next time I decided to come back to courses, um, things had changed. I had done a lot of brainstorming around what, what I most enjoyed doing and talking about. Um, I was paying attention to like if I was doing webinars or presentations or even just talking to other business owners, what, what got me most excited to talk about. So again, I was still in the wrong industry, but I was getting closer and closer to the niche that was right for me. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Um, 
So I was determined to have a complete product before selling it, of course, based on how my last two experiences had gone. So I worked out all of the modules and the lessons and I started recording content and the videos were fine. They were good. I got to a certain point. I had a massive light bulb moment. So due to the ever-changing nature of my topic and my industry and this particular course like all the other past courses revolved around social media I was going to have to be updating my video and workbook content a lot like a lot a lot Um, every time I talked about a specific thing in a specific platform you know as soon as they changed it well now my video is out of date Uh, so the whole point of an online course is to be able to make money without using up all of your time, right? So updating videos every month for the rest of my life wasn't really part of the plan. That wasn't the vision for my business. And when I look back on my other course topics, I realized if I had gotten to that point in any of those topics, I would have been in the exact same boat. So kind of a blessing in disguise that I I gave up on those before we got too far in. But of course, what am I going to do now? So at this point, I was in the kind of mindset where instead of just giving up, I was really going to look at what I had done and say, okay, how can I, how can I salvage this? How can I repurpose what I've done so far? How can this be not a total waste of time? So I looked at one of the modules and realized that it could kind of stand alone as a mini course. So I just launched it by itself. It wasn't a big deal. I promoted it maybe once a year, but at that point I just felt accomplished because I could say, okay, I launched a course, even if it wasn't the big signature course I'd originally dreamed of, but it was an excellent start. It made me feel like, okay, this is something I could actually do. I just, you know, way back then I was biting off more than I could chew. So my intention was to always um, build on that and create more mini courses. And then eventually I would have one signature course. However, (laughs) uh, life got in the way. I got so busy with work that courses totally got pushed to the back of my mind. Uh, My business pivoted, my services pivoted, my focus finally changed to something that I really, really enjoyed. And um, I I just was busy doing consulting and one-on-one work And courses just, they were not on the roadmap. But then 2020 happened. So we all know about 2020, so I'm not going to go into it. But for me, uh, it was crazy busy with work. There was a real need for my services, which at that point had shifted into like tech and workflows and processes designed to get people online. And of course, everyone needed to get online. But I could only do so much one-on-one stuff. It really brought back to me how important it could be for my business to have an offering that was one-to-many. So here come courses again. But my time was already extra crunched. I'd already had one meltdown that year. So if I was going to take extra time to develop a course, I had to be really smart about it. So there was going to be no more giving up no more realizing that I hated my topic halfway through developing the course, 
no disregarding what market research was telling me and absolutely no burnout. I needed to get to the end of the year happy and whole. So how did I do that? Let's start with the topic because this was a recurring thing for me where I was picking the wrong topic. So systematize your online course is all about choosing the tech for your course. I knew this was a need because of two big reasons. So way back as a student of Amy and Marie, I was constantly seeing my fellow students get really hung up on tech or thinking that they had to use all the same things that those ladies were using. And then, you know, having buyer's remorse about all the money they were spending on tools and software without having anything to sell. So there was that. Then with my new business direction, people were coming to me for tech help and especially help choosing the right software. And of the top three, you know, kind of software things people were asking about, course platforms was one of them. So because a course platform can be a big investment. So people, they're really, really scared of making the wrong choice. So they want some uh, second opinion, some expert help. So my clients were some of these people. I knew their fears, their language. So I could draw from working with them as market research. And as an added bonus, I already knew that talking about course technology was one of my favorite things. And because it was one of my favorite things, it meant that I'd actually already been talking about it in places like my blog, my podcast, in presentations, on webinars. I'd already been talking about that stuff for years. I had so much content to pull from that was already written. All I had to do was kind of sift through and update it. So let's just sum up where we are right now, because this is all really important. And without all of this, I wouldn't have kept going. I would have just stopped full stop at that point. So I'd already been doing what I was going to teach for several years for clients who were going to have some similar characteristics as my future students. I'd already been talking and writing and teaching about the topic for several years. Now I just had to compile all the info, update it, and organize it in a way that would make sense for a student. And timing. This topic was in mega demand at this moment. So essentially, I'd been developing my course for years without realizing it. So on one hand, you could say, wow, in six months, you created, launched, and delivered your eight-week course because that's the period I was actively working on it. However, <laughs> you could also say that in five years, I researched, developed, created, launched, and delivered my eight-week course because from the time I started trying to develop courses till now, it was five years. And without all of those uh, learnings and failings, um, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So the secret really is this. It was the right time. And I had put in the work making sure that my business focus was going down the right path and constantly checking in with myself to make sure I was still enjoying what I was doing. 
all of that meant that when the opportunity arose to create this course and to capitalize on this topic, I was able to take advantage of it. So I also want to talk about having your product complete versus creating as you go. I hadn't had much luck with either method in the past. <laughs> uh, and when I started focusing on my current course, I decided that this time I was going to complete the, the recording before launching. But over the years, I'd gotten to know my work style well and how to be more productive for me, which means batching. Now, like I mentioned before, recording the videos, being on camera wasn't really an issue anymore, but I do still find it more tiring um, than say just writing a blog post. So I knew I'd be better off batch recording a few videos at a time. And another thing that I knew about myself, the more prepared I am when I'm speaking, the better. So even for topics I know really well, I'm just not a great off the cuff speaker. I need detailed notes, sometimes even scripts, and that makes the recording process go as smooth as possible. So all this meant that I had to get all of my lesson topics and scripts pre-written before I could start recording. Now this process ended up taking more time than I anticipated, even with having so much of the content already created in other formats. So the next thing I knew, I'd blown past all of my deadlines, um, even the deadline where I said, oh, I want to be launching on this date. Now, I'd promised myself that I'd launch my course before the end of 2020. And since my course was eight weeks long, and I didn't want to be having lessons running over Christmas, that meant that November 1st became like my make or break launch date. It had to start that day. Otherwise, it was going to have to wait until 2021. So I was running out of time to create my content and to promote the course. So I had to make some hard decisions because at this point we were already deep, deep into September. So what did I do? I started cutting lessons. So there were some things that I thought were important, but at a second or third glance, they were a bit more advanced than a beginner student would need to get into. So I cut them out. There were also some, oh, that would be, you know, nice to have or good knowledge to put in there kind of lessons. But taking them out wouldn't lessen the student experience. So those got cut out. And now those I put to the side as potential future lessons or bonus lessons. So now I had a shorter list of lessons I need to write, but I was still running out of time. <laughs> Because I was still writing my scripts for the lessons, I wasn't also going to have time to develop a launch strategy or create promotional content to do a real launch. That meant that beta testing was back on the table. But I was going to do it differently this time. So this time I was going to make people pay for it as a pilot program. So number one, I just I didn't want to do it for free. Um, I felt like I deserved to get paid for this. Even though it was just a pilot program, I felt the content was still, it was good enough that I deserved to get to make some money off of it. But also 
I needed these pilot students to feel some sense of accountability. I needed them to feel like they had some skin in the game because the risk with free beta testers is that you just fill up your course with people who want free things and not with people who are your ideal students. Because let me tell you now, if you have something that's some paid service, people who just want free things are never your perfect person because but by their very nature, they're not gonna pay for your shit. <laughs> so I just kind of figured out what's the minimum price that I'd be willing to take. And then I started emailing people. And at that point, it became very clear to me that I was also going to have to create the content as I went, which it didn't work out well last time. So I sat down and said, okay, how can I make this better? What's, what's going to be different about this time that I'm not going to give up after a couple of weeks? So I was way more prepared this time, even though the scripts weren't done, all of the lessons, you know, were outlined, you know, not super detailed, but pretty detailed. Uh, I experimented a bit to figure out how I was going to film the videos because I was presenting at the same time. So that process was all set and done. And I made a decision early on that totally saved my bacon. Uh, my goal was to make each video no longer than 10 minutes. Now that was to save my voice to prevent me from having a lot of flubs or do-overs. And that also prevented the need for editing, which I hate, not gonna lie. So really understanding uh, my recording process or what I needed to effectively record videos after all these years meant that it was a lot less daunting to record the lessons each week as students progressed throughout the course. Um, having a deadline was still stressful, but actually sitting down and doing them wasn't quite so overwhelming. So in the end, I had four amazing pilot students. I got lots of great feedback and overall the entire thing was a, a success. That has set me up really well when I'm going to launch publicly. Now there are tons of things I'd like to do differently when I relaunch, but most of those are things that just wouldn't have been possible based on my time constraints during the pilot program. So just to kind of give you an idea, so what I wanna improve. So the first thing I wanna improve is the worksheets. Um, the students like them, but I think they could have been structured in a way that better walks them through their tech decision-making process. Um, the live Q and A. So we were a small group and you know, got to know each other quite well and got really friendly. But I could see that if we were a bigger group with maybe like more reserved people, uh, I might've gotten into trouble. So I could have been more prepared with specific questions for the students that were related to the most recent lessons in case nobody had any questions, either um, like questions for them to think about or kind of like talking points for us to center a discussion around. And then there was the Facebook group. Um, so I would like to have more engagement in there, which of course has to be led by me. So that means coming up with a content strategy 
that can be put into the group that kind of matches up or um, complements the lessons. So those are the things that I want to work on. Um, there were also some things that worked out better than I was anticipating. So the lesson content was pretty much bang on. So for this, the next launch I do, I don't actually have to re-record anything if I don't want to, which was a huge relief. I just expected that there would at least be some lessons that were like, oh, that was garbage. Just You just have to redo it totally from scratch. Um, but there wasn't. <laughs> so I think this was because I spent so much time focused on the lesson content um, instead of worrying about, you know, developing webinars and sales funnels and all of that. Not that that stuff isn't important, but of course the best sales funnel in the world isn't going to get you far if your product sucks, right? So I think because I spent so much time focused just on the lesson content, which is the product, that I really, I really nailed that piece. Uh, the other thing that worked out well was that I was worried some of those lessons I had scrapped were going to come back to bite me in the butt and people were going to be like, oh, well, I really wish you'd included this topic or that topic. So none of those came up. <laughs> there wasn't anything that was perceived as missing. So all of the lessons I excluded, now I have the luxury of um, I can either develop those lessons and put them in as like additional content or bonus content, or I can just launch again without them. Um, totally depends on me and my time constraints and what I want to do, but that's kind of like I have the luxury to make that decision. And then the other thing that worked out better than I thought, um, so as much as possible, I tried to make sure the lesson content was evergreen, but that it was still valuable enough for people to take action on. So meaning that even if the technology of courses changes, the lessons would still apply. So I'm being vague enough that I don't have to constantly redo my videos because some platform changed, but specific enough that the students are still getting value out of whatever I'm talking about in that lesson. Uh, and I left the specifics in, in downloads that came with the lessons because the, a downloadable, a PDF or a Word doc or whatever it is, is way easier to update than a video. So I apparently, I nailed that. <laughs> so there are more things that I need to think about, but for now my course is say 90% developed. The rest of the work generally revolves around promotion and student engagement. And some of the promotional pieces are things that, um, unlike the writing and recording the videos, that stuff can be outsourced. So things like copywriting, sales page design, graphic design, ads, et cetera, et cetera. Those things can be outsourced. So I can choose not to do those. I can choose to pay someone else to do those for me if I want to. I feel like it all went much too smoothly, but of course it was all those years of failed course attempts, um, getting to know myself better, nailing down what my strengths and interests are. That's what set me up for my successful pilot launch. 
And in the end, all of those other times I went wrong, uh, it kind of boiled down to two main things. So I was too focused on the idea of passive income. I was creating a course for the money that it could bring me and, and not necessarily because I, I really loved, you know, creating courses. And then I had the wrong topic. So you need to find that specific thing that you could literally talk about for hours and hours until your voice gives out, because that is what you're going to be doing when you make your course. You're going to be talking about while you're promoting on social media, in your emails, on live streams, on webinars, in your course videos, in workbooks and materials, in your course forum, during group coaching, and then you're going to do it all over again the next time you launch. So that's how I did it. It was a crazy roller coaster, um, but my gut tells me that I nailed it this time. So I hope this inspires you to think more closely on your course topic. I hope this lets you stop beating yourself up for not getting your course finished. And I hope you can take some nuggets of wisdom and focus on figuring out how you can best create your course instead of trying to fit yourself into someone else's course creation formula. That wraps up today's episode of BSing with Brandy. If you enjoyed this topic, you can find more like it at bsingwithbrandy.com. That's Brandy with an I, not with a Y. On the website, you can also find show notes and links to any resources mentioned today. And while you're there, feel free to subscribe to future episodes on the platform of your choice. I wish you all the best figuring shit out and getting shit done.